This episode is brought to you by Ubico. Ubico sets new world standards for simple, secure login, preventing unauthorized access to computers, servers, and internet accounts. The YubiKey from Ubico is a physical security key using two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. As more of us continue to work from home, it is more important than ever to protect your secure information. So what can you do to protect your account? Ubico is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase of $100 or more using the code POD at Ubico.com. That's code POD at Ubico.com. Say hello to the YubiKey and goodbye to account takeovers. Whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk. Thanks to their lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on men's shoulders from WCW, and you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there, and you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are gonna be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SLOPDROP at manscaped.com. That's SLOPDROP, S-L-O-P-D-R-O-P. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code SLOPDROP, S-L-O-P-D-R-O-P. That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Drop time. 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 And we are joined by the voice of the Twin Lakes Sports Network, the loose cannon, David McBee, the unluckiest man in the world, Bad Luck Chapman, and the pawn king of the Queen City, the manager of champions, Mr. Stephen E. What's up, fellas? What is going on, Nathan? McBee, how the heck you doing? And here with my good, my main man, David Chapman. Hey, Sumo, I'm getting a call from the FCC right now. I'm sure they're asking what's going on because our ratings have just gone through the roof. We got the greatest <laughs> manager in the history of managers here. And this is going to be epic. 
epic. Oh man! Oh, you know, this is the first time that uh, that I've been on a podcast with you, Big B. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking the, forward. The to stars it. have finally aligned. Well, I hate yeah. to start things off on a bad note, but first and foremost, uh, R.I.P. to John Huber. Uh, a.k.a. Oh, Brody man. Lee and Luke Harper. Huber, a former WWE NXT Tag Team Champion, two-time WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champion, former WWE Intercontinental Champion and AEW TNT Champion. Huber passed away over the weekend due to uh, non-COVID lung issues only at the age of 41. Yeah, that uh, – oh, man, prayers to, to his family. You know, uh, from what I understand, I never got a chance to meet him, but from what I understand, you know, uh, family was was a big part of uh, of his life and, you know, and, and you know, uh, just send prayers out to him. That 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 kind of – that was kind of a low blow to me because he's, he's somebody that I'd been watching for years and, and you know uh, – we can talk about how bad wrestling is, but he always seemed to be a bright spot on the, on the card. And, you know, when, uh, when bad luck sent me the, uh, the text, you know, I thought he was, you know, I thought he was joking and, and, you know, upon further, you know, research, you know, you realize like, no, it's not a joke, man. That, that it just, gosh, man, like. It sucks. Cause the world was finally getting ready to see how good he really was. Yeah. You know, he was finally getting it on the mic. He was main event in uh, AEW. And he was really coming out of his shell compared to when he was in WWE. And, you know, it's a shame that it got stopped so soon. Yeah. The unluckiest man hit it nail right on the head right there. I mean, I was so excited a couple months ago when Brody Lee, you know, he joined, of course, that's his, his character name, when he joined AEW because he had been held back. And the booking for him while he was in WWE just was not good. And we're like, hey, he's finally going to flourish. He's going to get that opportunity and then to have something like this happen, just uh, just devastating. But, yeah, yeah, prayers go out to him and his family. And you could always tell about a person after he passes away just by the comments from people. And right. I haven't seen one negative comment about him today. And I think that says yeah. a lot. Well, and, and you know, it, 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 if it wasn't a low blow enough, just, you know, just, just having to read this stuff, man, I tell you what, you, you, want, you want somebody to – cut up a bunch of onions go read up on uh on what bray bray wyatt had to say man that was was a very good send-off you know for his his best friend and man i it was just a tough read it it, it really still you know what are we two three days removed from this happening it's still kind of just like it just feels like a low blow it feels like somebody kicked you you know kicked in the nuts because you know the guy was just so talented you know i i i you know, I watched a little documentary on him a couple of days ago and uh, uh, or yesterday, actually. And uh, and and it was one that, that the WWE had put on a series that, oh, I don't know, four, three or four of them. They did Ruby, Ruby Riot, uh, I think maybe Mandy Rose and, you know, and uh, and Luke Harper. And man, it, just watching that, you know, it kind of made me made me respect him a little bit more because when he first started in the business he said he wanted to go out there and steal the show and and you know if you look at some of the stuff from you know early days that he did you know he's jumping off the top of cages you know doing doing you know little guy you know spots and you know obviously he's not a little guy dude's six foot eight you know six foot seven so you know uh but when i would see him doing these planches and doing these spots even in wwe i would say man, you know, he, he, this guy's got to stop doing that stuff because he's not leaving anything for the imagination. You know, it was like every week he'd come out and he would just 
lay it all on the line and, and, and do it. And, and I felt like he, you know, he, I felt like he was doing too much for the audience, if that makes any sense. But, you know, going back and, and watching that, that 10 minute thing that WWE had put on him, he, he talked about how much of a struggle it was early on to, to not, you know, go out there and, and, and work like a big man, you know, and uh, it just, it really, 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 really is a, a sad day for, for professional wrestling fans of, you know, of all walks and ages, because everybody that, that watches the, the, the product now knows who Luke Harper was or who Brody Lee was. And to see him go, especially so quick and unexpected, man, it, it, it sucks. It sucks. You know, also, uh, Danny Hodge passed away over the weekend, yeah. age of 88. He could crush an apple in the palm of his hand. One of the toughest, most legit amateur and professional wrestlers of all time, highly decorated champion, and even has the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy named after him for amateur wrestling. The Danny Hodge Trophy goes to the nation's top collegiate wrestler of the year. Had MMA been a thing back in his day, he would have dominated his weight division. And uh, we could do a whole show about him, but, uh, again, thoughts and prayers to Danny Hodge's friends and family as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had the privilege of, of working oh, 10, 12, 15 shows with Danny over the year. And, you know, let me tell you, there was never anybody that was that was more of a, a professional, more of a gentleman than Danny. You know, I told Chapman a story earlier. You know, I, I, I had posted a picture of me and Danny from oh, probably 2004, 2005. So, you know, it was, I was a little younger back then. But, you know, I posted this picture and uh, – you know, I, I remember, you know, I was always taught, you know, coming through the business that, that we didn't, you know, you did leave the guys alone, you know, don't, don't mark out, you know, and, and nowadays it's a little different now that I'm older. I think, you know, I don't care to ask for pictures. In fact, I live with a lot of regret of not asking for pictures, you know, with a lot of guys that I've worked with over the years, but, but Danny, I, uh, I asked him, you know, I just, I got the balls to, to ask him, Hey daddy, can I get a picture? And he said, yeah, 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 sure. He goes, I'll take a picture with you as long as you send me one. And, and he actually carried around, um, Oh, what would you call it? Like, um, Oh, like an envelope, uh, uh, stamp that has your name and, and your address and stuff. And he had given it to, he had given it to me and, uh, and, I, I wish I could say that I sent him that 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 photo because I never got a chance to send it to him. In fact, I just found it the other day, the photo original uh, this predated, you know, cell phones and all that stuff. So I actually had to go go back and find the little disc with the picture of me and Danny on it. And man, that uh, it really that, that that really was a big kick in the nuts, too, because, man, there just wasn't there wasn't nobody that was more feared in his time. There was more. That was that just that wasn't more, that guy was just a consummate professional, you know. Everything that he just when he get to the back, he'd shake everybody's hands. And let me tell you what, man, the very first time I worked the show with Danny, he seemed to be he had to have been in his seventies, you know, seventy two, seventy three, uh, maybe a little older. And he came out. He was the commissioner for mid states, and he came out and he hopped over the top rope like. I, I wouldn't even try to do that. You know, in my younger years, I wouldn't have tried to do that. And he did it. He did it so smooth and it looked so good. That guy was just, man, he was something special. And, and anybody who had a chance to meet him knows what I'm talking about. Yep. I'm just saying uh, legit, man. Like you said, Sumo, he was MMA before MMA. I would have loved to the UFC or something like that to have been around back in his day. Mm -hmm. I think he definitely uh, could have been a legit champion. 
Oh, I agree. You know, you mentioned kicking the nuts a couple times, Stephen. Uh, I'll tell you what another kick in the nuts was. 23 years ago this week, Starcade, 1997. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to the biggest night in the history of this grand sport. Welcome to Starcade, 1997, where tonight, in event, 18 months in the making, will pit the two biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling in what will go down as the grandest night ever. Over 24,000 fans are jammed into the MCI Center. Not a seat to be found. Scalpers out all day. And we are here tonight bringing you the events that we've waited a lifetime for. Hi, everybody, along with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the Professor Iron Mike today, I'm Tony Schiavone. December 28, 1997, from the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. This was the first wrestling event at the MCI Center. Attendance was 17500 16052 paid. They made $543,000 at the gate. An additional $164,000 in merch was sold. They sold about 700,000 pay-per-view buys. This was the most profitable show in WCW history. This yeah. was the show that should have been their WrestleMania. This was the show, 18 months of buildup. And man, I still haven't gotten over Starcade 97. I'll tell you what Starcade 97 did. It made me a WWF fan back in the day. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I told Bad Luck here, you know, everybody remembers certain events that happened in your life and 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 if they were oh um if they were oh what's the word i'm looking for here if they were memorable then you'll know where you were at i can remember exactly where i was watching this pay-per-view in a little place up in hilltop arkansas and uh shout out to josh stewart and scott davis because i was with you you clowns whenever we watched it and yeah, yeah, there was a lot of there was a this was a huge buildup. I mean, this this Sting and Hogan was just a major buildup for what'd you say, 15 months, 18 months? 18 months. <laughs> you know, talk about some storytelling going on, you yeah. know? Good. Well, I mean, there was some truly epic storytelling with the Sting, the whole NWO buildup. And this was the chance where you know, the NWO has beat down WCW for 18 months. They're just kicking their tail. It's time for retribution, but the retribution that ended up happening, it just, it was weak. Commentators yeah. Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Dusty Rhodes. Interviewer was me, Gene Oakland. Champions going into the event. World champions, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. U.S. champion was Kurt Henning. Tag champs was the Steiner brothers. TV champion was the Disco Inferno. And cruiserweight champion was Eddie Guerrero. That's quite a list, minus Disco. That is quite a list. Yeah, minus minus. I don't hate on Disco now. Come on. <laughs> but Sumo, if you think about it, though, think about WCW's roster at the time. There was a lot of big names that wasn't on this pay-per-view. And instead, you know, you get an Eric Bischoff and Larry Zabisco match. And there was a lot of guys that are headliners that wasn't, wasn't really participating. Right. And, uh, I mean, this card could have been so much more – it started out strong, but by the time it finished, man, it was, uh, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Shivani opens the show with Dusty Rhodes and Mike Tanay. Says there's 24,000 fans there, which was not true. There were 17.5. Still still a good number. 
Hey, they had a hundred thousand at Bash of the Beach '95. Yeah. Remember, hundred thousand, biggest night in the history of our sport. I think there was actually five thousand right. there. As you mentioned, lots of big names wasn't on the card. They're all several sitting in the in the audience as spectators to give it that big fight feel, similar to what you see in the UFC today. Uh, but yeah, yeah, some they of those had them, guys, had them blocked off. Yeah, some of those guys should have left the crowd and gotten to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, going back and, 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 you know, doing a little bit of uh, studying on that, I, you know, who'd you see in there? Canyon, uh, Brian Clark was there, Harlem Heat, Mysterio, Harlem Heat. yeah, a lot of guys. Go, uh, Glacier. Yeah. Glacier was there. That's the right. man with yeah. ice in his veins. <laughs> he had ice in his eyes, baby. <laughs> uh, first match of the night, though, was quite the banger. Eddie Guerrero defeated Dean Malenko by pinfall in a, a little under 15 night. minutes. Uh, with a frog splash. And he up on top. It's the frog splash. It's the frog splash on the knee. And he covers it for one, two. He is still the cruiserweight champ. Malenko actually wanted to take the night off because his wife had just given birth on Christmas Day. But due to so many missing the show, Bischoff sent a private jet to bring him to the show. Wow. I didn't uh, didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. That, uh, that match right there, when... when Going back and rewatching that, you know, it, just think about this for one second. That was the curtain jerker for the night. Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero, which, you know, uh, you know, five years later would have been a main event anywhere. You know, of course, had had. Let's see. So yeah, when, when did the Radicals make their WWE debut? What 2000, 2001, 2000. So yeah, so five years later, you know, he could that, that would have been a main event anywhere you know five six years later it's just crazy when you think about the talent that those guys had that you know not that they didn't use them but they were focused on other things you know uh, i think they were kind of focused on shock value you know with the nwo and 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 beat downs and all that stuff well, the fact that they have eddie guerrero in the cruiserweight division and then you know how many years later he goes to wwe and wins the heavyweight championship you know, Eddie Guerrero was so ahead of his time in WCW. Yeah. Uh, even watching this match when he gets down on his knees and, you know, and he crosses his heart and he sticks his hand out, you know, like it was a little bit of that stuff that, that he did a whole lot of in, in WWE. But he just, he was so ahead of his time. If he would have been booked right, I mean, it would have just been great. But like you said, you know, you've got Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, two of the best in that time frame and, and they're and they're curtain jerking yeah there was a spot from that match that just i mean guerrero hopped up on the turnbuckle i think to do like a springboard maybe and you know jumped into the to you know with his uh like to a powerbomb position and, and malenko just creamed him boy i you know it's like how the hell did he get up and walk away from that you know but it just goes to show how tough how tough he was but you know, again, you know, that was a, that was damn near a five star match, you know, on pay-per-view. We're talking about, you know, uh, arguably one of the worst pay-per-views, at least of 97. Well, I mean, that match really, it, you know, if you think 96, 97 WCW, they always had a hot match to start off the night. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what WCW is known for. A great start. And then you get to the main events and they're just flops. And I mean, just this fantastic match. Dean Malenko was showing why he was the 1997 PWI wrestler of the year. Mm -hmm. And Eddie Guerrero was just starting to come in that character that he would end up like, like uh, Chapman mentioned, would end up being in uh, the WWE. But I mean, a hot start. And if you're watching, like I went back, you know, and I was watching it and it's like, man, I was like, it, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. And then we got past the first match. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then yep. after the first match, Scott Hall comes out to the ring, does his usual hey yo survey promo. Hey yo. And you might have heard by now that we're taking a little survey. It's real, real simple. We want to know if you're with us or if you're against us. One more for the good guys. I know everybody wants to see Hollywood beat up Sting. So, and nobody, nobody is more interested in that match than me because it's Super Brawl. Scott Hall wrestles the winner. Now, for some bad news. The true giant, the 6'10", genetic marvel, and my big buddy half of the real tag team champions, Big Kevin Nash is not gonna be here tonight. He told me if you had a problem with it, that you could meet him down there. You know where. So anyway, where's the referee? Get somebody out here and tell that big goof that he won. Hey, giant, hey, Franken-goof, you just tell everybody that you won, okay? And says Nash won't be there tonight to face the giant. Match won't be taking place. Hall said to go ahead, get a ref out there, declare the giant the winner by forfeiture, and then starts mocking the giant walking around doing this. This brings out the giant. So why not just project Scott Hall into the stand somewhere? Well, here's an answer for all the times that Scott Hall mocked the giant. Yes, choke slamming. Pick him up and drive him through the mat. Go ahead on with it, baby. It was Scott Hall that broke his hand, remember that? Oh, he didn't go for it. He's gonna use Kevin Nash's move, the jackknife powerbomb. That sends him. Oh, yes. Scrape him off the mat. Who has some words with Hall, then Gorilla Press slams him, and then powerbombs him uh, to send a message to Nash. Allegedly, Nash missed the show because he thought he was having a heart attack. There is a conspiracy that he no-showed to avoid jobbing on the biggest mat or the biggest pay-per-view in WCW history, which he didn't want to do. Bischoff denies that, says Nash legit thought he was having a heart attack. However, tests would later show he had no heart attack. He might have had gas. <laughs> Man, you know, you, you look at the giant, you know, the big show, whatever you want to call him. Man, that dude, that's what I pointed out to him all ago was, man, he looked like a million bucks walking out there. You know, and I mean, I, I know he was young when he got into it, but, you know, he probably wasn't very old there, 20-something. 20, 20 but man, he looked great. You know, good psychology, good uh, good selling by Scott Hall. Uh, you know, Scott Hall was one of those guys. Like, you know, how much longer of a career ha would Scott Hall have had if all he did was just come out and do his, you know, uh, survey, you know, shtick? That guy, that to me at the time, that was so over. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely just popped every time he'd come out and do his surveys, and I thought that was. A good filler. Plus, you know, you got to find you got to find a spot in in the show, especially in '96, for Scott Hall to come out to do his survey because you know everybody wanted to hear it. Chalk one up for the good guys. Twenty three years later, I'm still saying, "Hey yo, hey yo, yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, it's one of those iconic things. You know, um, I don't know. I, I I I like I said, for some reason, I always popped whenever he'd come out and do the surveys. I just thought it was it, it was silly. 
it was funny, and well, gosh, it worked. And he started feeding into it, you know. And, and, and again, that comes down yeah. to the selling that we were talking about. You know, Scott Hall could, you know, could sell ice to an Eskimo. It didn't, it didn't matter. You know, it, that guy, that guy was a great, great, great seller. And you know, when when he had him up in that power bomb position, and and Hall does that. It just, you know, that that that's a lot of what the business is missing nowadays. You know, you don't you don't you don't see that that type of selling or that form of selling anymore, and it's 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 really it's sad. Fan, you know, fan interaction in general. Mm -hmm. Well, big show in this. You know, like Chapman mentioned, he looked like a million bucks. And just think about mm -hmm. it. Six months later, his gimmick is walking to the ring. He's way overweight by then, smoking cigarettes. And you take a guy who's has such a great gimmick and is going the right direction, and six months later has no direction, and in a little over a year is going to be in the WWF, uh, you know, just walking right into the a main event match with Stone Cold. And, and Scott Hall, greatest of all time, but this whole booking to me just reeks of, uh, you know, unorganization, craziness, what happened mm -hmm. with Kevin Nash. But think about it, you're having your biggest pay-per-view of the year. Scott Hall should have already been in a match. Why is Scott Hall not in a match? Instead, he's filler because Kevin Nash doesn't show up. And I know Nash's dad passed away, had heart problems and things like that. And I know Nash was real concerned about it. But, I mean, if you look at the click, they kind of had a history. If they didn't want to put someone over, they'd find a way to not put someone over. Right. Well, and think of it Think of it like this, too. You know, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty easy to say that Starcade is equivalent to, to WrestleMania. You know, I, I think about this for a second. Imagine, I don't know, uh, uh, Ted DiBiase, you know, uh, calling up and saying, well, I'm not going to be able to make the show. I think I'm having a heart attack or what. It just, you know, it's like you, you, it, you work through that shit hurt, you know? It's like how many people have went into a WrestleMania hurt and they just get through it because that might be their moment, you know, or whatever it is. You, you don't, you know, I don't know, you don't no-show the biggest event of the year and come up with a, a lame brain excuse like, you know, well, I, I don't know. I guess if, if, you know, if his dad had heart problems or whatever, but I, I can't can imagine. imagine. Can you imagine WrestleMania 1 and Roddy Piper's like, no, I got gas. I'm I got not gonna gas. Make it I'm not going to make it. I, to me, it just seems like that was an excuse for not wanting to get, you know, not wanting to have to do honors for, for Big Show. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. I, uh, I don't know. I question how, 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 how. You know, you better damn near, you better damn be on your damn near deathbed, you know, if you're going to miss the biggest show of the year for them. And and with the buildup, like you said, 18 months of buildup, you know, and maybe not 18 months of buildup for that match, but there was a lot of buildup for that match. All of it, you know, basically gone, you know, and, you know, snap of fingers. Well, I think it didn't happen because of one thing that, that you know, our guest, you know, Stephen E., he knows a little bit about is because of money, guaranteed money. Nash, he's getting paid whether he shows up or not. If he does WrestleMania, yeah. you don't get paid if you're on the card and if the show doesn't perform well. The difference between the guaranteed money and what the WWF was mm -hmm. pushing at the time, you know, I know Stephen E knows all about that money. So hey, I, I, I tell you what, you know, when you when you when you you think about it, I don't think anybody will ever argue that that Mama Nash raised a fool. When Nash and when, when Hall and Nash came in and they got their contracts, you know, uh, structured the way that they did, those guys were not fools by any means. And, you know, then you had Hogan come in and, and you know, that really set the precedence for, you know, for the way contracts were structured for many years. Yeah. Well, hey, two words, ATM Eric. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
That's right. Second match, the New World Order, Scott, Flash Norton, Vincent, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, who was a sub for Conan, defeated the tag team champions, the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, and Ray Trailer, in a little over 11 minutes by pinfall. After Norton does an electric chair drop on Steiner, followed by the flying elbow by Savage for the three count. Watch out, guys. Scott Norton, Scott, Scott Steiner. Savage is up on top. Fall away, slam that time. And Savage up for the big elbow. There you go. I'll tell you what. One, two, three. Not a lot of participation here by Savage. Originally, again, supposed to be Conan tagging with the NWO. Savage took his place. The Steiners and trailers were originally supposed to win. But since Savage had agreed to the match at the last minute, he wanted to go over. Uh, not And because it was such low match on the card, he thought he was a main eventer. He not only wanted to go over, he wanted to score the pin. And he wanted to score the pin on Scott Steiner. Uh, he thought Steiner was the uh, probably the best guy on the opposing side there. So the finish was changed. Legit pissed off Scott Steiner. And if you go back and watch this match, you can tell he, he looked pissed. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I would not have wanted to been, been in Vincent's boots that night because if you go back and watch that, they beat the piss out of Vincent. I mean, they just <laughs> dropped him on his head a couple of different times. And I actually pointed that out. I didn't know any of the backstory. But when we were watching that, I looked over at, at Bad Luck and I said, I said, holy shit, you know, Steiner took the took yeah. honors, you know, it's like that surprised me because I figured if anybody, you know, if you look at that, that on paper, you know, you know, goddamn well, Vince is taking the pin, you know, you know, but no, <laughs> no, it wasn't the case. Like they put Scott Steiner, who, like you said, was the strongest yeah. person on the on the on the, the, the team. I mean, you got Macho Man, you know, you're filling in last second. You know, earlier you mentioned, you know, you got Mysterio, you got Harlem Heat, you got all these guys. And, you know, then you bring in Macho Man. He wasn't even on the card. I mean, if, yeah. if Conan doesn't drop out, Macho Man's not <laughs> even on the card. How do you have your mega event, one of the biggest events of all time? And it's like WrestleMania. Do you think they're going to have it and not have Macho Man in there? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. just bad, just bad booking. And this match was just, this match was rough. And you got some great guys. Uh, I, Steiner, obviously, he wasn't, you know, on the uh, steroids quite as heavily yet because, I mean, a couple of years later when he was Big Papa Pump, he just would have beat the crap out of him. He's not going to slay down for no one in a couple of years. No. So. Let, let me explain to you why, why this show, why all these top stars weren't on this show. I'm going to give you the answer. See, I've listened to this 83 weeks by Eric Bischoff a time or two, and I've, I've learned what his answer is to all of, all of the questions that he gets asked. I wasn't in charge then. Yeah. So you know, we got to figure out who was in charge. Yeah, he's only. Always Kevin Sullivan, Bischoff. Yeah. It's oh, that that was Ke that was that Kevin That's Sullivan and Kevin. Kevin or Vince Russo. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, luckily Bruce yeah, wasn't well, there Vince, yet. Vince but... wasn't there yet. No, yeah. No, Russo wasn't I'm there saying. yet. But it's funny he wasn't involved, but yet you know, uh, Sting doesn't win cleanly, cleanly because he doesn't have a tan later in the night. So I mean, you know, obviously he had to have some involvement in that since he's going by the tan. Yeah. 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 To try and uh, calm down Steiner a little bit, Terry Taylor let him do some big spots during the match to get over. Uh, again, Conan was another no-show. This is number two if you're keeping count. He missed the show because his girlfriend at the time gave birth to a premature stillborn child, so he actually had a, a valid reason to not be there. Vincent, you mentioned earlier, um, also known as Virgil in WWF, 
Soul Train Jones. Sorry, I can't stop laughing when you say Virgil. I keep seeing those memes of Lonely Virgil. <laughs> Lonely so. Virgil. Of course, Dusty oh, Rhodes' real name was Virgil, so WCW changed his name to Vincent as a shot at Vince. But, yeah, they beat the piss out of him. They did, boy. <laughs> but look at the paydays he got. He didn't do anything for five years, just stood there with the NWO and got paid. So. Yeah, that's a fact, boy. That's a fact. I, I, You know, Virgil's one of those guys, man. He is going to be – that that short four year run or three year run that he did with WWE is probably going to carry him throughout the rest of his life, even if it is, you know, one fan per hour at uh, at a convention. You know, uh, I know I've seen the I've seen the photos. I've seen the photos, and yeah, man, that guy, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, we're gonna keep it PG, but you know, if you ever get a chance, go to his Twitter Twitter feed and. Yo, man, he is. Whoop. He's not PG. <laughs> He's not PG, so we won't uh, we won't mention any of that. We've got sponsors to uh, to respect, so we're not gonna we're not gonna bring up Vincent and his uh, hashtag uh, hashtag money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, <laughs> uh, if you want to uh, help uh, help Vincent out, I'm sure he's got an OnlyFans uh, account set up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, mean gene and interviews jj dylan who talks about nitro being on the line tonight against uh between the matches of between eric bischoff and Larry bisco easy for me to say he got stumbled there uh he also announced that the controversial wcw referee nick patrick will be refing the main event hogan versus sting after the name was randomly drawn from a hat. Nitro's on the line, the big match between the legend Larry Zabisco and Eric Bischoff. And also there's just a tremendous amount of interest in this match that we've all waited a year and a half for. And one of the matters that needed to be cleared up was who is going to be the referee. And Sting waiting a year and a half for this match obviously wants to know that he's gonna get a fair shake. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hogan, the reigning champion. He's got an interest in who the referee is, and it seemed like the only fair thing to do was to take the names of all the referees, put them in a hat, have a drawing. I've done that with uh, the members of the executive committee observing, and the name that was picked out, who will be the referee for tonight's main event, is Nick Patrick. Rumor was WCW wanted Earl Hebner as a surprise referee. Hebner was the same ref who just a month before this had screwed over Brett in the Montreal screw job in WWF. Bischoff denies this and says Brett wouldn't have been 100% against that at the time. And I actually believe Bischoff on this one. I can buy that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Brett would have wanted anything to do with any – he didn't want to be near Hebner. Hebner wouldn't have showed up because Brett would have probably kicked the shit out of him, you know. Uh, I, I, that's the first I'd ever heard that. And, boy, imagine, imagine the dirt sheets back in 96 had Hebner showed up, you know. Imagine – that would have been something else. You know, that would have been something else. That would have that would have popped me for sure. The only thing I could think from this interview, J.J. Dillon looks identical right now like he did when he was doing that interview in 97. The man does not age. He's looked the same since like 1985. You, you, you know, you're exactly right. And believe it or not, I'll tell you like I told Bad Luck earlier, you know, there's a handful of guys that I've met doing do you know working working the circuits and going to different territories whatever but there's very few people that that surprise me at how big they actually are you know because legitimately i sit at about well i'm 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 six four about 270 285 
give or take. And I, James Dillon, JJ Dillon may have been a tad taller than I was. It's just very, very, very surprising how big he actually is. Um, I think that they, they, they always did a good job of trying to maybe not necessarily make him look so much bigger. Cause you know, imagine putting him next to like a Dean Malenko who on a good day is, you know, five, nine, you know, uh, it, it just he towers them, but you know, the way that, that they use it. And even, even if you watch, if, if you watch the, the interview, I think they're shooting a lot from a lower position, you know, uh, you know, up to make mean Gene not look so small next to, to, to Dylan, you know, uh, I, I very surprised at how big that guy is though. Like I said, you know, there's a handful of people that, that, uh, that I'm surprised whenever I meet and he was one of them. Third match of the night, Bill Goldberg defeated Steve Mongo McMichael in about six minutes by pinfall with a jackhammer. He may have the jackhammer on here. Let's see. One, two, three. Goldberg wins. We have an Atlanta Falcon versus a Chicago Bear. This was not a great match, fellas. Well, I think I think we can all agree the reason why it wasn't a great match was because Mongo didn't go over. You, you know, Mongo is is legendary in the sense that he was so he bad was so that bad. he was good. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? It's like yeah, it's like the troll troll three movie. Yeah, like Sharknado. <laughs> Sharknado is the per- okay. I get where you're going. I I I smell what you're cooking. So yeah, yeah. It's just you know, like you have to you have to you have to understand how bad mongo is to really appreciate how good he is you know i i, I guess that he, if you know you know you know if you don't well you know uh, uh a reason why you can't see it. it's yeah. a, it's a miracle that neither of these guys were seriously hurt and they were both able to walk out yes yes yeah, yes mongo got dropped on his head at one point he went through the table awkward well goldberg got dropped on his head did you see he did like that did that sidewalk slam to yeah, goldberg but here's, the thing, here's the thing man I think what the match was six minutes long to me, that's five minutes and 30 seconds too long. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. Mongo, we talk Mongo, I think Mongo, Paul Roma, which one's the worst? Who's the worst horseman? Oh, I know. Now, when you talk about the worst horseman, it's got to go to Paul Roma. But when Paul you, Roma had talent, though. He, he was bad there, luck. Yeah. <laughs> no, Paul, I tell you what, one of my favorite tag teams besides the greatest tag team of all time, the Nasty Boys, was... Oh, my God. Was really? pretty wonderful. Mm. Pretty mm. Paul Roma? Yeah. I, I, I anticipate, wonderful. I anticipate, because we talked about, we touched on this last week, that, that Chapman's going to show up here in the next couple weeks with a WWE or a, w, a WCW puffy paint Nasty Boy shirt. Dude, I can't find them. I've been on eBay. I've been, I've been for years, I've been looking for one. It's kind of like that ET game that Atari made years ago. <laughs> they probably realized they weren't going to sell very many of them. Put them Aww. in a box and threw them in the they dump. They just can't keep them in stock. Is the problem? That's yeah, you have to go to the dump to find the Atari game, the ET game. But that's <laughs> yeah. where this match should have gone is the dump because this was just a. It was a stinker. It was bad. It was really, 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 really bad. It really, it really showed how limited you know Bill Goldberg was, and it really exposed how bad Mongo was. You know, I I, I well, can't. he started out the match tripping. Everybody yeah. else catch yeah. that. He yeah, I saw, I saw that ring. as he walked out yeah. of the of the curtains mm-hmm. there. It was yeah, and that that was probably one of the best parts of the match. 
The sad thing is, you go 20 years ahead, and you know, you go 20 years ahead, and Undertaker is taking on Goldberg. Goldberg never developed. He never really developed anything. No. And unfortunately, no. you know, he, you know, he hurt a lot of people. And unfortunately, you know, a guy that's going to be partially in the main event, not wrestling, but you know, be involved in it, ends up finishing his career. But I mean, a lot of talent, and they pushed him hard. But man, I, you know, unfortunately, he he infected some careers too. Ask yourself what the toll for admission was, and and Bret Hart's career is a small price to pay for, you know, the 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 phenom known as Goldberg. You know, I I just you know, like, don't get me wrong, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the, funny thing, the funny thing with Goldberg, though, he legitimately thought he was a champion. Like, I can beat all these dudes. I'm a legit champion. And, and he's and, and not, you know, they, they he, who's going to win, though, Goldberg. He, it's like he could never well, he, understand he probably that. He probably could have, you know. I mean, I, I, I guess that's when you, when you, when you get into the back with, with the guys, you know, of course, there's no, there's no egos in, there's no bigger egos than an ego of a professional wrestler. I mean, let's just say that right off the bat. But when, when, when you have an ego and you're tough and is, you know, I mean, he, there's no doubt he probably 90% of the locker room, he would have smoked before it just, it wouldn't even be a, a, a contest. Now I know there's been a couple of guys that have put him in his place and whatnot, but at the end of the day, like, he's a tough he's you know he's i'm not taking that away from him but you got to understand the business of professional wrestling in the sense of just because you're tough doesn't necessarily mean that's going to go over with the crowd or or you know the way they book you just you can be tough and help put other people over and he had no i mean it was all about goldberg i mean just from the moment you know moment his music hit you know, it was all about him down from, you know, the production of Goldberg, you know, because, because, you know, when you think about it, Goldberg was a production, you know, he, he, you know, it started off with the Mr. Goldberg or, you know, Mr. Goldberg, you know, it's time. And then they'd have the four or five guys walk him out or whatever. And then he'd get in, you know, get out to the, the ramp and the, the smoke would go and he would breathe the smoke in and stuff. You know, he's one of those guys that, that that his his entrance really carried him a lot farther than what it should have than what it should have carried him. But man, when you think about all the people that he's hurt, all the you know, I mean, like really, we would have been better off without that guy. You know, I I, I hate to say that because I think he does have a, a a you know a place in history for whatever reason. But gosh, you know, I mean, like like we talked about it a couple weeks ago with Bret Hart. You know, like what would have happened if he wouldn't have you know, done that to Brett, where would Brett be? Could we still see, you know, uh, a Brett match? I don't know, you know, but would he well, be so bitter? I don't you know. Talk, you talk about being tough and how he was booked. You know, the toughest man that ever stepped foot in the locker room was me or Haku, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you look. But he Haku, knew how to do business. That's... Exactly. Haku was putting people over left and right. And if you want to be completely honest, Haku had a good career, but he didn't have a great career. You know, he wasn't like a longest reigning heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Was he, I don't even know if he was ever heavyweight champion. I don't think so. But then the fact is, you know, he could have killed just about everybody in that locker room if he mm-hmm. wanted to. But he knew how to do business and he knew how to work with but people. It, and that's, and that's, the, that's the thing is he didn't buy into he didn't buy into the hype that, that he, you know, being built. You know, with Goldberg, they build him as just being this unstoppable monster. And he just, I guess he couldn't get past, you know, the hype of his own, of what they had built. Because, you know, I just, man, I mean, he should have, he should have, 
he should have been putting over people or he shouldn't have been just such a, you know, an ass over the years. But, you know, when they brought him back for crown jewel and, and he went over Bray Wyatt, I was like, I, you know, like that was about the time I quit, I quit watching wrestling on, on, you know, on a consistent basis. It was like, yeah, at least on Monday nights, you know, it's just, it's just horrible. And, you know, how many times are we going to recycle that whole, that whole thing, you know, uh, and just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And, you know, are you really grabbing new fans? You know, what, what Raw's rating a couple of weeks ago was 1.5, you know, like 15 years ago, where it was 8 million. Where did those, you know, those 7.5 million fans go? You've got, you've got Goldberg coming out. who's half the guy that he, that he was back, back when the, in uh, 97. And he's, he's going over to Lesnar in less than a minute. Just say this, you know, he got in a fight with Chris Jericho in the back, and I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go by what Jericho's word was. Jericho won, Goldberg nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, he did bring a lot to the business in a very short period of time. We can't take that from him. But no. two part of the thing, I mean, you know, you know, you're professional, Steve. It's protecting the other guy and making it yeah. look, making it look real. And he could never get past that. And unfortunately, he hurt mm-hmm. a lot of people. And but he also made a lot of money in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't take away his his you can't take away his his role in professional wrestling over the last you know twenty years you know or not last twenty years because you know when did when did he kind of when did he kind of go go away what two thousand three it was WrestleMania with him and uh, was it two thousand four with him and two thousand four yeah yeah you know so he kind of went away. so when you think about it he had eight nine you know nine years in wrestling and and that nine years that guy that guy that guy will never you know if he was to take independent bookings or if he was to take a booking from tony Khan or you know that guy would just he'd make millions of dollars you know uh any 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 major organization that could afford to book him and you, you know i mean like and think about this you know he had nine years you know in the business nine years plus you know some stints after the fact but you know, just is he, did he really? Did he really make that big of an impact? No, and it sucks too because he was. You know, Goldberg was all about the money. He was never a fan of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what. Well, in two thousand, he made six million over six million dollars, and you know, I mean, you know, we talk about Kevin Nash being the smartest guy. Maybe it was Bill Goldberg. He got in, got out, made his money. That's right. That's right. And and. Now, now he gets to to pick and choose his spots. You know, it's like okay, now my kid's what fourteen, fifteen, and I want my kid to see me wrestle. So give me a spot on the card, Vince. And give me give me Brock Lesnar in fifty seconds. Boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me you know, give me Bray Wyatt in you know in Saudi. You know, it's like I, I think that match was about three minutes. You know, just ridiculous. Well, you know, I, their entrances combined were two and a half. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Me and Cowboy were talking, and and somebody had put something up about, you know, uh, you know Goldberg saying he has another hundred matches left, and I said, well, a hundred matches for Goldberg, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it equals about ten minutes worth of work in the ring. So, you know, okay, I guess you know if that's going to cost us, you know, three or four million a year. You know. <laughs> Or you know, cost Vince three or four million dollars a year to get that ten, you know, that ten minutes out of him. Like, make you wonder if it's worth it. Take the belt in the most made per second in the uh, you know per second he worked is it in the history of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, you know, he, and, and the bad thing about it, you know, it's like during that time, 
you know, if you think, if you go back and you think of some of the wrestlers that were big at the time, Kevin Nash, you know, Goldberg, you know, you could almost, you could almost, you know, read a play by playbook of what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. You know, Kevin Nash, tie up, push him back into the turnbuckle, you know, uh, elbow, big boot, you know, big boot to the throat, sidewalk slam, you know, uh, so on. Goldberg was, you know, you know, lock up, tie up, get pushed back, push back, you know, go on. And then, you know what he hit, he, he, usually the finish was him hitting the ropes, hit the spear, then the jack, you know, jackhammer, which, you know, may have taken, you know, as little as 30 seconds sometimes, you know, as much as, you know, I, I think if, if Goldberg went more than 10 minutes, I, I, I'd, I'd be losing. Yeah, he, I don't think he ever Nathan's went more like than chewing his lip off here to start this next match. <laughs> yeah, Goldberg. Oh. Oh, we saw a uh, so a table spot and some ECW chance, which brings us to the next match. Raven comes out, announces he won't be wrestling, and that Saturn will be taking his place against Chris Benoit. When I signed a contract with World Championship Wrestling, I stated that I would not conform to their rules, that I would not conform to their corporate structure. I also made sure that certain stipulations were included. That I would be able to wrestle when I won, where I won, and who I won. And I've chosen tonight not to wrestle. I've also decided to allow Saturn to finish off something that should have been finished off a long time ago. The destruction of Chris Benoit. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. In a Ravens rules match, basically a no DQ. Benoit comes out, responds to Raven in a not so great promo. Quote the Crippler no more. I don't look at reality through any veil, nor do I see the truth through any veil. It is what it is. Things are as they are. And I am who I am. When I rest, I rest in reason. When I move, I move with passion, and there's nothing I feel more passionate about than inflicting pain on the Raven. In the fourth match, Perry Saturn defeated Crispin Wall, either by submission or ref stoppage, I'm not real sure, but under a little under 11 minutes with the rings of Saturn. Oh, tough. Oh, stood him on his head, spiked him with the DDT. The DDT. And now the rings of Saturn, that's just an afterthought here. The DDT has put him out. It's over. Saturn defeats Benoit. Lots of interference by Raven's flock. Raven was not medically cleared uh, to wrestle because he legit recovering from an inflamed pancreas. You know, AT America sent a lot of money out uh, on on payday for, for this, uh, this card. Just You know, you got to think, though, like being Eric, okay? Imagine that you right. You've got this. You've got this pay per view going. You've got all this build up. You've got all this money dumped in, and you know from running your business, and and, and I know because the calls I get where I'm at. Can you imagine just like, hey, it's Nash. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> Crap, man. You know we just lost Nash. Well, you know you. Hey, it's but... Raven. I'm not gonna make it. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, who was the other but... guy? Who did we else did we lose? Well, that's that's the thing. If you have Vince, We're not you there have Vince yet. McMahon in charge of the card, though, he's not going to allow that to happen. And that's the no, thing with no. WCW. Even though Eric Bischoff was in charge, he didn't run it like you know Vince McMahon. I'll, I'll criticize Vince McMahon for all the stuff he does, but 
he does, you know, they don't cross the boss now. And I think everyone learned after the, after the Montreal screw job, you know, he's going to do whatever he's got to do to protect his business. But having that one person in charge that, Hey, the buck stops here. You can tell the difference between that and the management between the two companies. You know, think about, think, think about all the, all the people not being there and all the people there in this caged in area that they have all this talent, Ray Mysterio, you know, Canyon, Harlem Heat, Heat, you know, it's like, I I could make a couple of suggestions on how they could have made that pay-per-view better. But yeah, man, even Scott Hall earlier, wasn't Macho Man wasn't even scheduled. They threw him in at the last minute. Well, and you said earlier, you know, they they sent a a, a jet to go pick up Malenko, you know, I mean, it it just, it, it doesn't, to me, it seems as if this, you know, if this pay-per-view, if if anybody else was trying to run it other than somebody who had a open-ended checkbook to 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 make these, because you know, I mean, think about it. You, you know, sending a jet to go pick Malenko up. How many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars did that cost to have them do that uh, to fly him to to you know to the arena and then having it just yeah 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 yeah. I, you know, Vince McMahon, he. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny. You got to ask yourself, what would Vince have done if something like this would have rolled yeah. out in in front of him? I, I I have a I have a pretty good feeling this wouldn't have happened to Vince. No. You know, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have let it happen. And you know, when you're micromanaging, that's what you that's what you're getting. You know, you're getting you know stuff that it, trickling down or whatever. But you know, when you got to call the boss or when you got to call Pat or when you got to call. Oh, I don't know. One of the other agents, Gerald Briscoe, or whoever was in charge at the time, and tell them that you're not coming in. You know, wait a second. I think didn't didn't somebody's didn't somebody's mom call uh, call in sick for him? And, Ross, yeah, yeah, call Jim Ross, and 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 you know he he didn't. You know, I don't want to speak ill of him because I actually like Marcus Bagwell, but you know, it's like look what happened. You know, they, they some similar happened. Called in yeah. sick, what, and he. Never, never seen him again. You know, luckily enough, for, luckily Except enough for the number one wrestling sports entertainment out there, which is Mid-State Wrestling. That's Speaking right. of Buff Bagwell, fifth match, he defeated the total package Lex Luger by pinfall in a little over 16 minutes. He's trying, employing Luger to get off of him, and down goes Silverman. He was in the wrong place then. This, this can be bad for the camp of one Lex Luger. Sending Bagwell in. Here it is. Got Here it comes. He's going to try to wreck Bagwell, but we look on the left and see the feet, and now you see Silverman. No referee there at all. Savage. Macho man Randy Savage in. Oh. Kicks the back of Luger. He's going to wreck Savage. He's got him up, guys. Yeah, why not? Whatever it is. Sounds oh. like a chain. Or... That's exactly what it was. It looked like a leash. That's Rick Steiner's dog collar, wasn't it? Yeah, man. Silverman. One. After Scott Norton runs in and hits uh, Luger with Rick Steiner's dog collar, lots of interference by members from the NWO, including Randy Savage, who gets torture racked by Luger. Norton brag, uh, drags Bagwell over Luger. Uh, the referee comes in, counts the pin. Honestly, it was not a bad match. No, no. It, it, going back and seeing this, you know, if you stop and think back to to '97 when when you know this pay per view is happening. You know, most nitros were ending with a beat down only to be saved by, you know, by steam. You know, they really led up to that. But 
you know, just seeing the beatdowns made you realize, made you, made me kind of go back in the day and think like, man, you know, it's like every other match is a beatdown. You know, every it, it, the NWO was notorious for that. Those guys, like that, that that's what it was. Just like ah, you know, like ah, forget talent. You know, forget wrestling. Let's just go send in seven or eight guys to beat this guy down. Yeah. Six match. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page defeated Kurt Henning by pinfall in ten minutes and fifty five seconds after a diamond cutter to become the new United States champion. Forearm shot to the year. Hennig sends DDP in. DDP catches the man. He got him. Diamond Cutter, get him covered. Cover it. Get him covered. One, two, new champion. Yes. Originally, it was supposed to be Ric Flair versus Henning. If you're keeping track at home, this is person number four that has missed the show. Uh, Henning had turned on the horseman months before, was feuding with Flair. Flair needed surgery, so DDP replaced him wins the United States for the first time, the United States title for the first time. DDP would go on uh, to win that title one more time after this, but would ultimately end up winning bigger and better things. Got to wonder, had Flair not have pulled out and DDP didn't step up and get his time to shine, I'm sure DDP still would have been successful, uh, but who knows? Uh, he may not have uh, gotten as far as he did. Maybe his ribs wouldn't have been taken. Yeah, DDP, rib, uh, rib tape DDP is much better than non-rib tape DDP. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I, I think I told you when uh, I was like, for about two years, if you didn't see DDP with uh, with mummified, I think is what what, what the word that I, I, I heard earlier, mummified, you didn't see DDP mummified, something was wrong. Because that guy, that guy legitimately worked with broken ribs for two years straight. <laughs> Well, look at—I mean, I think even whenever he did his AEW match, didn't he have his ribs taped there too? I think so. I yeah. think so. <laughs> That's funny. Imagine, imagine being DDP and poor guy's ribs have been broke for well, you know, uh, imagine working that into your gimmick. You know, it's like you know, you take an independent booking and you know, you show up and you know, you got a lot of a lot of kids that are that are on the independence that are that are you know excited to work with them or whatever and. You know, he comes up to you and he says, hey, kid, you help me put this around. You help me put this tape on around my ribs. You know, it's like, oh, you're still. Are you going to put your gear on? Are you going to put your gear on, Paige? Yeah, hang on. Takes his shirt off and just wraps his stomach. Yeah, I'm I'm ready ready to go. go. The rib (laughs) tape is to DDP what the cast is for Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would agree with It's a shame because I said his, his ribs have been broken for the last 15 years. And I started thinking. This was 22 years ago, so they've actually been broke for about 25, 25 years. years. Yeah, but but you know, you, you know, we were talking about the psychology that that is lost. I think that 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 is some of the psychology that's lost nowadays. You know, I mean, like 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 you said, DDP wrestled 23 years, 24, 25 years after you know after this or whatever, and he's still taping his ribs up. You know, uh, well, I know, you know Bob. A lot of long, a lot of a lot of guys used to tape their ribs. Or their knees, mm-hmm. or their well, elbows, and you know. I the, wonder if Greg Valentine still comes out with the the, the shin guard. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, like it, but or D'Lo with the D'Lo with the the chest, chest protector. protector. Yeah, yeah but no, guy. but like for real, you don't see that stuff anymore. You know, you every mm-hmm. now and then you'll see uh, see guys with like the tape, the athletic tape or whatever, um, on their shoulders and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no injuries. You know, just because you know you look like you got your ankle broke. In a, in a steel chair the week before you know one week later you're great you know so well it, it, it depends on what company because i tell you what when uh when sammy guevara 
hit uh, Matt Hardy. He, he he didn't look he didn't look right the next week. Still, you know, a lot of that's missing a lot of that psychology. And I remember Gorilla Monsoon would say whenever he was in the ring, him when him and Bobby were on commentary one time, he said, "Oh, I used to wrap wrap my injuries all the time, but you know, if I if I hurt my left arm, I'd wrap my right." That way they knew that they started attacking mm-hmm. my right one and they'd leave my left one alone, you know. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of psychology thrown out there, but it was good stuff and it's just yeah. It's well, those things that are gone. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't ever you don't ever see an oversell of something like that, you know. Uh, oh shoot, who who who's a good example? Cody's a good example when he was in WWE a few years ago. They put the little clear face mask on him and. You know, I, I, you know, it's like in, in a gimmick that I didn't think he would be able to get over. I think he got it over pretty well, you know, and I, I you know, again, Bob Orton with the cast, you know, I mean, how brilliant was that, you know, to be, he, you can use it in a match or Greg with the shin guard or whatever the, the, the ribs, the rib taping was great for a baby face, you know, because. Well, how long did Luger go with the, uh, you know, when he had the finisher was his forearm before the torture rack? Because he had the plate, you know, they they played it off that he had steel plates in his arm. Well, I, and when he would hit them, they would knock them out. I think that was when he did the narcissist gimmick. They didn't yeah. bring the 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 torture rack, but he was doing the torture rack before. Well, but he, he was still when there. he was when he was wearing yeah. the red, white, blue. So when uh, he did, you're out. He did that when he was a narcissist in, in WWF. Mm. So when he went back to WCW, did the plate magically get uh, yeah, yeah. surgically yeah, removed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it had already healed. Seventh match of the night, NWO versus WCW. If Eric Bischoff wins, NWO wins Monday Nitro. If Sabisco wins, WCW keeps Nitro, but he gets to wrestle Scott Hall at sold out 98. Zabisco defeated Bischoff in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Zabisco trying to get in. Oh, Zabisco. What's he got? I, I, it's like a, is that a steel plate? Looks like some sort of metal or oh, steel. He's, or, he's loading up the boot. Arguing the whole time. Oh! Yes! Yeah! How about that? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Not been a good night for Scott Hall, has it? Yeah. Went home last week. Yes. Yeah. He's going to put him in the subsidiary. He's hooked it down deep to the far away look. Larry Zabisco. They're both out. Representing WCW. And ladies and gentlemen, here you go. Hello, Nitro, WCW. We'll keep Nitro. Larry appears to be out cold, and Easy E wants Bret Hart. Bret Hart, by the way, uh, this was his WCW pay per view debut. And we'll get to why he's actually the referee here in just a second. But Easy E wants Brett to raise his hand in victory. Instead, Brett punches Bischoff, then takes out Scott Hall with a sharpshooter as Larry chokes Bischoff with his uh, black belt. Brett then raises Larry's hand as the winner. No clear ruling uh, on the finish. You know, they just announced that Larry Zabisco had won. Again, this was Brett Hart's WCW pay per view debut. Due to a contract clause uh, with the WWF, he wasn't able to compete or wrestle, so they used him as a special guest referee, which was kind of a good way to get him on the card. Yeah. Man, I I tell you what. You know, if you go back and you look at that, you figure, you know, 96, so 20-something years ago, I I was very surprised at how how good Zabisco looked. He looked – he looks he he, yeah, he's still in good yeah. shape. You know, he still looked like he could go. I actually looked this up and he was 46 at the time of this match. 
So he's 46. He looked, he looked yeah. good. Yeah. He looked real good. You know, I, you know, you know, imagine being Larry Zabisco and being off TV or being, being, you know, not being off TV, but being a commentator for however many years he was with WCW and having to go and, and try to make something work with, with Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff looked like shit. It, it just, the whole, you know, the whole match was just, there was a, a head kick that Bischoff uh, kicked Zabisco with a loaded thing that Hall put. Did you see that yeah. fly out? Yeah. I was like, geez, I hope that wasn't something that could actually hurt a fan, you know, because these right, days right. that would be a lawsuit. Oh, man. Like, through uh, his yeah, phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I man, I, it moved pretty quick. Know, it had to have some weight. It, it had some move. weight. Yeah, it moved pretty quick, man. When I was watching that, I, I, I just, you know, it's like <sighs> – Gosh, man, you know, like, are you kidding me? You know, like, like, I, could you? I just, I watching that, I was sitting there going, like, you know, he, he Larry's sitting there going, well, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, uh, uh, you know, try to, try to, try to make the best of this, whatever. But it's like, I don't think they could have prepared yeah. Larry Zabisco because, you know, like, like, say what you want to say about him, the guy could wrestle, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, yeah. came, he came from an era with the Backlands and San Martinos and. You know all that stuff. Like the guy was a legit wrestler, but former AWA you know, champion. Yeah, former AWA champion. Putting him in the putting him in the in, in the ring with with Bischoff did not do him any favors. And, and in fact, that might go down. I think he actually he did wrestle Scott Hall. I think after that, you know, once or twice or or something. But you know, it's just it's a shame that that we're even having to cover this because yeah. the match was so bad. Well, you know? here's what I was thinking to get y'all's opinion on this, and I know Zabisco and Bischoff were pretty tight. You know, they go back. We mentioned AWA; they were in AWA. Well, and, Scott, and Scott Hall and Zabisco yeah. were really tight. So I know Larry was playing the pro WCW guy, and Bischoff was the anti WCW. Mm-hmm. So there's the NWO WCW thing. But I was thinking Dusty Rhodes was on commentary, and I was like. They could have easily put Dusty in in that role instead of uh, Zabisco because again, mm-hmm. Zabisco was forty six at the time of this. Dusty was fifty two at this time. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah. like they were a lot older than this, but I mean, look today, Jericho is fifty, Sting is sixty one. Mm-hmm. So I always wondered, like, I wonder if that would have worked if they just slid Dusty Rhodes into that role instead of Larry Zabisco. That would have been interesting to see that because you're right. You know, uh, you know, Dusty had been, you know, shoot, he'd been performing in the ring. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think Zabisco retired from in-ring competition in the in the mid to late '80s. I think it was around '88 or so. But you know, Dusty had still been performing for a number of years and and even had matches after that. You know, it to me, it would have made sense for Dusty to be in that spot. You so know? yes and no. In my opinion, I I think that him and Eric could have had a, a better match than what Zabisco and them did, because mm-hmm. he could have just let Eric kick the crap out of him a lot, pretty much. Do I think that Dusty and Hall could have had a better match? No, I think Zabisco and Hall were were better. Or Zabisco, be, oh yeah, just yeah. because Dusty at his age and his size, I just don't think he could have put up or gave as good of a of a match as what. Uh, is what Zabisco can. Well, well, here we go. Main event time. Michael Buffer comes out to introduce Hogan and Sting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Starcade 97. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight 
Championship of the World. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, from the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Fun fact, during Sting's walkout, you hear the voice of a child talking and telling a story. That was actually former TNA wrestler Garrett Bischoff, the son of Eric Bischoff. You know, your, your Starcade 97, you know, this is the biggest show of the year. You have pulled out all the punches. You've got Michael, you know, you've got, you've got Michael Buffer there calling. I heard, and, and I, I could be wrong, but I heard that that guy was getting a million dollars a pop to show up to these and, and yeah, you it, know, and announce for him. Is that crazy? A million dollars to have somebody come in and, and here you got Nash no show in and, you know, Conan having Nash, problems. Conan, Flair, you know. And then you crazy, wonder, but, hey, a year and a half later, why is WCW out of business? You know, come yeah. on. <laughs> so, so I guess with that, that would have been about the, the time that, what did they lose? Estimated like $88 million in one, like, one year or one yeah, in, two, in 2000 they ended up losing 88 million and he was at tons of shows all throughout 2000 you know mm -hmm. doing the intros through 99 98 mm -hmm. i mean we you know wcw pretty much took care of his retirement well sting uh, 18 months of build up sting defeated hulk hogan by submission in 12 minutes 54 seconds with a scorpion death lock to win the world title for his fourth time big leg drop one Bret Hart is here tonight as a referee. Is that right? Is that correct? Is he a referee? Signed into the official. Yes, right here. You got it. He's signaling for a restart. Ring the bell. The yeah. bell is ringing. Into the corner. That was close. Yeah, that didn't miss. Bret Hart. Again. Stinger splash out to the top. Can he put it on him? Pointing at Bret Hart. Trying to get him over. Can he get him turned? There it is. Set down on him. Check it on Hulk. Red Hart down. Hart's right in Hogan's This ended Hogan's third WCW world title reign. Allegedly, it was planned all along for Sting to go over clean. But the finish was changed earlier in the day after Hogan, Sting, and Bischoff met to go over the finish of the match. Bischoff and Hogan were disappointed in Sting's physique and lack of enthusiasm. Hey, his tan. You forgot his tan. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't as muscular as he typically was, and of course, not tan enough. His arms and stuff look more defined to me than, well, than what they had. And, and even more than that, you know, anytime you've seen Surfer Sting, you know, come out years prior to that, you know, he was always baby oiled up. He was always shirtless. You know, you take, you take that physique. Okay, you know, it, it looks like a million bucks or whatever, but he didn't look horrible, but he was wearing a, a, a shirt, a sleeveless shirt that obviously, you know, would, would would make him not look as defined or whatever. And then plus, man, like there's a reason why those boys wear baby oil, you know, and yeah. if you go back and you look at all of all of Steen's matches from when he was the surfer, he came out and he was just glistening, you know, glistening. Cool. And, and you couldn't do that wearing, you know, the trench coat and the black, you know, that you couldn't be wearing the gear. 
I get they they were concerned about he didn't look as in shape, but you hit it earlier. He had a bodysuit on. All that was hidden. And as for the lack of tan, he was a mysterious crow figure. Yeah. He shouldn't have been yeah. tan. Yeah. He should have I mean, been pale as a ghost. No, he should have been yeah. pale. You know, he should have been pale. To me, it's ridiculous. And that just goes to show the 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 lack of just the lack of understanding, I guess. You know, it's like you know who in the who in the hell would look at thing and say, okay, you've got this, you know, this this nightmare gimmick, you know, because you, you couldn't say crow gimmick because uh, for obvious reasons, but you know, it's kind of a dark, you know, uh, gothic, you know, nightmarish gimmick. You know, we need you to be tanned. No, it doesn't make sense to come out tanned, like you said. I well, think you I hit mean, the nail on the head. Thing, not even that. Who has the balls to look at Sting, right? Sting and say. I'm not really crazy with how you look. Maybe we should. Don't work for me, brother. Yeah, Chapman. What happened was it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Sting shows up to the arena. You go into a room, door shut, and all you heard was, that don't work for me, brother. Because, I mean, Hogan Hogan wasn't going to put him over clean. And to me, this is what killed me so much because for 18 months, it was Hogan continuously winning. Basically, in that 18-month period, the only one he lost to was Piper. Piper put him to sleep at Starcade 96. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he didn't lose to anyone. The fans, the WCW fans, were looking for retribution. Sting was our guy. Sting was our guy from NWA through WCW. Yep. This was our chance. Have him lose clean. You know, up until that time, you didn't have a lot of WrestleManias in where you don't have someone winning clean. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to have the guy's going to win and he's going to go over. Instead, you know, they did this dusty finish that was messed up. You know, we haven't even got to the count yet, how jacked up the, the false count was. <laughs> then you bring in yeah. Bret Hart. Let's make right from the Montreal screw job. It was just a complete cluster. And well, to me, imagine being the producer WCW went down. Imagine being the producer in the back and, and you see it. And like you said, you see that fast count, just seeing everything unfold. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous, you know, and imagine trying to, trying to, Oh, trying to make sense of that as a commentator. You know, I mean, like, those guys had their work cut out for them to try to make sense of that. Yeah, you know, you got to think, Hogan's such an egomaniac. You know, who's to say that he didn't go to Nick Patrick and say, hey, don't count fast. Well, that's the thing. That's been the rumor. And in your window, as Nathan would say. Well, that's definitely what Nick Patrick says. Uh, The finish was changed. Holt gave his two signature moves, the big boot, leg drop. Nick Patrick goes to do the fast count to screw over Sting, which would bring out Bret Hart, who – was screwed over by the WWF just a, a month prior to this, like McBee said, to rectify the Montreal screw job. The problem, the count was not fast. Franchise guys were butting heads at the point in time over what was going to happen. One guy came up to me and told me to fast count it because I was already doing, you know, you, you know, to get some heat so he'd give him an out. And the other guy says, don't fast count it, just keep it nice and slow. And so the person that was in charge didn't want to make a call, didn't want to pick a side, and made themselves scarce all night long where I could not find them to ask them, hey, what do you want me to do? According to Nick Patrick on David Penzer's podcast, Hogan and Sting were butting heads over the finish. One guy wanted the fast count for heat. The other wanted a slower count. He couldn't find anybody to tell him what to do, Bischoff. Uh, So he tried to do the right thing and do something kind of in the middle. Yeah, it was Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> so he tried to do something in the middle. Uh, the problem is Sting didn't kick out until after the three count was already made. Patrick calls for the bell. 
Here comes Bret Hart. He appears, stops him from ringing the bell, and tells Patrick that the count was fast and punched him. Hogan tried to leave, and Bret Hart tossed him back into the ring. Hart jumps into the ring as a referee since he was a referee earlier, and I guess he's a licensed ref now, WCW. Mm. Uh, despite some NWO members interfering, Sting hit Hogan with a stinger splash, puts him in the Scorpion Deathlock. Hogan submits, Hart calls for the bell, and Sting ends up winning the world title. Yeah. It, it, it would have been it would have been interesting if the you know uh uh oh what do you call them uh the award show that we did last week what is it the, the sloppies. sloppies yeah if the sloppies were around in 96 wouldn't it have been interesting to see what the fans would have voted for for the worst finish of <laughs> of the year because i can guarantee you that those two the main event the semi-main and the main event were just horrendous man i mean it just like I, you one has to ask were they even trying were they even were they even trying like like i just i don't i i don't know who who booked this shit you know uh I, yeah but really you know i mean like do you guys know who booked it was this was this an eric bischoff finish he according to eric again conveniently he didn't get into the finish yeah he, he does just, do finishes yeah, so, so we're we're gonna put this on. We're gonna put this on Hulk. <laughs> well, that, that's Terry Taylor and Kevin Sullivan. They're not so, good finished guys. So the same result. Sting still wins the title. They just got there a different way. What's crazy is the very next night on Nitro, they had the rematch. Referee gets bumped. The show ends before the millions of viewers could see the finish again. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it ends in a no contest. We don't know. Somehow, Sting retains. And then a week later, on the very first WCW Thunder, J.J. Dillon forces Sting to surrender the belt. So Sting ends up dropping the belt a week after he wins it. And then fast forward two months from now, they put it on for the fifth time. So what was the point of even taking it off of him? Why not just let him win clean in the first place? You're going to put it back on him in two months anyway. Yeah, have him win win clean, and then you have Hogan win the rematch. Then you can have a third match. You know, maybe put a cage mm-hmm. or something so that way the NWO doesn't interfere. But you could have stretched that out and made money off of it. Yeah. I remember that yeah. next night on Nitro, I was like, hey, that was crappy. But maybe they'll, they'll make it right because they're just trying to bump a rating. Well, against and shoot, and boys, in, in, in wrestling, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, the money is in chasing the champion, you know, in, in, in the buildup. But, you know, if you build up like, they've been building, you know, for 18 months or, or how, you know, how long did they build up the sting versus Hogan? Did they build that up for 18 months? I don't yeah, 18 months. 18 months. 18 months. It's like for that to be the, the payoff, but anyways, just, you know, throw shit up against the wall and see what sticks, you know, that's what this reminds me of. And, you know, just, just the cluster that followed, you know, with them, with the, you know, the, the next Monday night. And then, like you said, it's just ridiculous, man. I, 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 I don't know why they wouldn't give the fans what they want because everybody knows what the fans wanted were, you know, what sting, you know, to, to, to walk away with a clean, a clean win and it didn't happen. And I get it. I know that, you know, the money in wrestling is, is, is chasing the champion, you know? Uh, so they could have made a lot of money in that, but it, it, if you've already squeezed that, that pony for 18 months, how much longer are you going to get out of, going after the champ before you got to give the people what they want you know and and make no mistake about it the people wanted to see sting win that belt and do it in a way that and do it in a clean way you know nathan Nathan, you just said it was what two months later that he finally yeah two months or two weeks Mm -hmm. two months 
They put it back on 20, 20 months mm-hmm. of chasing the gold. Mm-hmm. Almost two years. 18 months of buildup. He wins but, it, drops it a week later, and then gets it back two and, months And the, his victory wasn't really clean. He wasn't a actual true. It was all these shenanigans where he got NWO mm-hmm. runs in, WCW guys come in, you know, the big dusty finish. So, you know, what would it have hurt for Hogan to lose? I know Hogan, it's yeah. funny, the other day he did an interview, and he's like, I've lost more matches than I've won. Hogan's lost yeah. 26 matches in his career. I, can't, wow. I bet you just in 1997, he won more than 26 matches. So I don't know yeah. what he's smoking. But yeah, yeah. I mean, would... what would it have hurt for him to put him over? He did it with the Warrior. He, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have hurt anything. Hogan would not have been impacted at all. I'll well, tell you what it is, is it's that NWO ego. Mm-hmm. See him, Nash, Hall, all those guys were making all this money, doing everything. They knew they could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hogan's yeah. ego... It started before then when he refused to drop the hearts title when he the famous linebacks, you know, in the in the dressing room. Uh, yeah. That don't work for me, brother. That don't and work then, for me, brother. Yeah. And I'll tell you who really looked stupid in this whole thing, too, was Bret Hart. Because he comes out and it's obvious the count was not a fast count. So then he has yeah. to get in there like a moron, like it's a fast count when obviously it's not. So pretty much they kind of buried him right off the bat as well. Yeah, just, yeah. That's what, I, that, that's what I was going to say is like they just made Brett look bad, bad right from the get-go, you know, doing on his that. debut. On his debut, he come out and he really didn't have a dog in that fight. Like when he goes on the record for saying WCW didn't know how to book him, this is why. Yep. Well, yep. Again, the most profitable and arguably the biggest show in WCW history, also possibly the biggest letdown and beginning of the downfall of WCW, Nash, Conan, Raven, Flair, all scheduled to wrestle, didn't make the show. Uh, of course, Raven did make an appearance only to DDT Benoit, and that was about it. But he he was – at least he showed up. Uh, I don't know why they didn't use Hardham Heat, Scott Hall, Ray Mysterio, Canyon, yep. the Macho mm-hmm. Man who wasn't even booked. Yeah. So they threw him in. Oh, Brian, Brian Clark. You know, yeah. I've seen him in, in – he was back there too. Uh, yeah, who knows, you know. Scott uh, Hall. I think what it comes down to, Nathan, just, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, uh, Mama didn't raise no fool. You know, uh, Nash and Hall came in, and they came in with their contracts structured a certain way. And, you know, of course, Hogan is not going to be outdone. You know, it's like Hogan's going to get that same deal, only better. It, it, you know, it just where would wrestling be today if we didn't have to deal with the, the bullshit politics, you know, like yeah. that backstage of – uh, that's not going to work for me, brother. Like, what do you mean it's not going to work for you, brother? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I just, you know, Bret Hart, we, we Bret Hart could have started shining a lot earlier, you know, if it wasn't for Hogan in that, in that respect. Yeah. But, well, th- but, think about Sumo, what this card could have been just the guys you named off. I mean, if you take out the Bischoff and Zabisco one and why not have like, you, you know, ha- have someone else, you know, one of those people you named in that main Even event. Even the Disco Inferno, he was a TV champion. You could have yeah, put him why, in Why does it have to be, you know, Bischoff? But, I mean, think of what could have been if you could have gotten all the parts aligned. This could have been a truly epic event. And what's what crazy is WCW, is. yeah, WCW, they didn't go down immediately. They still stayed solid the next year. The next year, they still made a ton of money. But this was the first in a series of steps that then yeah. by 99, when they do the finger poke of doom, it was all she wrote. But I'll tell you what I got from this event is after I watched it the next night, you know, I did watch a little nitro. I was bouncing back and forth, but I started watching uh, raw. Of course I turned it on. I'm like, what the heck <laughs> is this guy swilling beer, flipping people off and uh, guys mm-hmm. super kicking and throwing guys out, 
you know, all sorts of crazy things. I mean, what it did is it pushed me to Raw, and then I ended up staying with Raw the rest of the Monday Night Wars. So it pushed a lot of fans out. It was kind of the beginning of the end, at least for me as a fan, and I hate that because I love WCW. It'd be interesting to see, you know, where they were at in their 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 88-week run, you know, where where – like when did it when did when did it start going the ratings start jumping to W because it, it was already happening by the time this started wasn't it by April right after WrestleMania when the Austin era began that it was cool. then it was started back and forth and by summertime WWF was rolling and never yeah. looked back but yeah. I mean just just think of what could have been with this card with the people yeah. that you had in it you know you got Mongo and Goldberg and then you have like a Mysterio sitting yeah. on the sideline and I mean yeah I mean there's so so much misuse and what a roster they had. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, I, I kind of think about like today, you know, it's like with AEW, with their roster, how they're getting and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm almost afraid I don't want to see that happen again, like what happened with WCW, because there's a lot of the same faces in some of the same places. Bischoff claims not all the big stars were booked because he didn't want to, to dilute the talent. He's not wrong in making that statement, but I don't think that's the reason I call BS. I just think there's a lot going on. Uh, he was nowhere to be found when Nick Patrick was looking for, you know, what do I do? He was in a match against Zabisco. Um, I just don't think they had any backup plans. Okay, yeah. you guys got a favorite match, favorite segment? I'm going to well, go Marino Guerrero. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to second that one. I think when you watch that if if all you're going to do is is watch one match of 96, you know, of uh, Starcade 96, make sure or 97, make sure to tune in to the, the, the curtain jerker, the opening match on the card. It is phenomenal. They just, just kill it after that. And then just, well, yeah. DDP and uh, Kurt Henning was good, man. I was, I was talking with Chapman about, uh, about Henning and, and, and I think, man, I think Henning is, is arguably the one guy that never won the world championship that should have won the world championship. But, you know, I mentioned to him, said, do you think, do you think it, it would have made sense for him to win a world championship after Mr. Perfect? I, I don't know that he could have ever done it, you know, in WCW. He certainly couldn't have done it as part of the West Texas Redneck crew, you know. But, you know, with Mr. Perfect, uh, he is crap. crap. <laughs> you know, I, I, when, you, when you go back and you look, that, that gimmick, how, how good could he have turned a world champion run with that gimmick? You know, it, it, it just, well, man. Back, it, you know, he was managing or, or going out with Flair whenever Flair was in the WWF right before Flair left. How how easy would that have been just to pass that torch over to Henning and let Henning have that heel run with the title? Mm-hmm. Henning was one of the guys that could have done it and could have done it well. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise it doesn't surprise me. You know, I, I think you know Kurt Henning. You put him with just about anybody, and he's gonna he's gonna be able to polish them. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we can probably pull up a Mongo versus Henning and. You know, it'd be, you know, damn near four-star, five-star match. You know, uh, the guy the guy just, he always looked good. So that doesn't surprise me. Uh, if anybody says Eric Bischoff, Larry, Larry Zabisco, then I'm just, I'm done. I quit. And I, I will say Kurt Henning, you know, he was absolutely perfect, but this pay-per-view was far mm. from it. Yeah. Thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down, thumbs in the middle overall. Thumbs down, thumbs down. I want to give it in the middle. I'm gonna give no, it in the middle. I'm gonna go down. Eighteen months. Months. Eighteen months of buildup. There's just, I mean, uh, no. You know what? I take that long I take and not have. Back, Nathan, I take that back. And and because you made that point right there, 
I will give it a thumbs middle. That's the that's me because I remember that eighteen months of buildup. Build I went back the build and watched up it. Was what? Yeah, the buildup was phenomenal, and, and you know they they did a really 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 good job of that. Uh, you now know, wait a minute though, we're not judging all the shows. We're judging this single pay per view, not this era. This single pay per view. Yeah. So well, take away the eighteen months of buildup. Hey, the buildup. I would definitely give a thumbs up, but I mean for this particular card i give i I give it thumbs down i look back now and i'm disappointed in the finish but when i watched it after 18 months of waiting and sting still won i really didn't think about it at the time when i was 18 19 20 years old i was still happy he won so yeah i still give it a thumbs in the middle yeah well i like i said earlier there there i i couldn't tell you when the last time i watched the pay-per-view was i I didn't even know where i was probably in my living room but you know for whatever reason for whatever, whatever, the star of the line, whatever. I remember exactly where I was for that pay-per-view. And, and I remember the couple of guys that I was around that I, I talked to every now and then, but I remember being there. So it must have been, it must have been something, you know, the buildup leading up to the pay-per-view must have been great. Because like I said, I, I, you know, that was back in the day when, you know, you would get with a couple of your buddies and, you know, everybody would throw 10 bucks down or, you know, five bucks down, depending on how many people you had and try to make a little party of it, you know, and, yeah. and I can remember exactly where I was. So, so there was something that, 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 that there was something about that time frame that was special. I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and go thumbs. I, uh, I thumbs asked on, middle. I asked on Twitter, which do you feel is most responsible for the WCW Starcade 97 main event finish debacle? Hogan's backstage politics and invoking his creative control clause, Bischoff for allowing the change, Nick Patrick for not doing the fast count, or Sting for not having a nice tan. Forty-seven uh, percent Hogan's creative control clause. He had that worked into his contract, man. Like if he didn't like it, you know, he didn't. You know, Mama didn't raise no fool, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you may you got to ask yourself this at that point in time. Did Goldberg have any kind of creative control on his on his matches, or was he just mm-hmm. like, you know, you go out there and just kick the living shit out of anybody who we put in front of you, and and that's going to be your deal? I, well, you know, Goldberg Goldberg openly said whenever he first came into business, Hogan told him, "Get an attorney. You're going to get the same attorney I have. Then you get a good contract. Yeah. Get Matt yeah. Stone, yeah. Stephen yeah. 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 <laughs> Kind of goes to show Hogan's mindset of the business. He's been around for so long." You know, he knew. He knew how to how to not get screwed over. And, yeah. You know, he kind of he gave that good advice to Goldberg. And look at Goldberg. He made a, a ton of money and, and wrestled, you know, 30 minutes total over his entire career. So, All right, guys, that about wraps it up. Follow us on Facebook at The Slop Drop, on Twitter at The Slop Drop 1. Wherever you find your podcast, we're probably there. Leave us a good rating, a good review. Watch us on YouTube. Again, you won't hear all the cool sound bites, but you get to see our ugly faces. If you uh, listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever, you get to hear all the glorious audio clips that go along with Star K 1997. Either way, thank you guys for listening, and until next time, we are out of here. Goodbye and good night.